Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. This is Amy Bird, and I am here with my not normal but usual co-hosts, Todd Pruitt and Carl Truman. And I thought we'd start, you know, we got a somber subject to talk about. I thought, let's lighten things up a little bit here and have a little fun. I thought I'd give us some entertainment for the beginning. I was listening to Carl's first talk that he gave to the Master Seminary on the Reformation. And I just noticed, you know, there's some words that we know Carl says wrong, you know, like controversy and schedule. Uh, but there's other words that when we are under the burden of having to listen to him for longer periods of time. <laughs> under the burden. <laughs> <laughs> we realize, wow, he says that wrong too? So I thought maybe I'd flash a couple words for Carl to read for us. Words that Carl needs to be corrected and, and, and on his English pronunciation. I like it. I'd like, like to it. say, first of all, it's actually a privilege to listen to me. Billions of people have lived and died in eras where they were unable to listen to me. That's, oh, that's so awesome. privileged time. Yeah, this true. gratitude is frankly hurtful, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll let it pass. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on with it. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to flash the first word before you. Can you read that? Yeah, because. Be- Say that again. Because. Because. Yeah, because. What do you say? B-E-C-U-Z. Because, yes. Because. Cause. Because, Carl. Because. Because. What do you guess? What, were you raised in Wildwood, New Jersey or something like that? You say it even funnier in conversation, just so you know. (laughs) All right, how about this one? Saint. Okay, that is not how you said it when you were talking. How did I say it when I was talking? I can't remember now. (laughs) I just wrote it down. I said that wrong like four times in a row. I think you were listening to somebody else teaching Reformation. You said Sint. Sint? I never did. You did too. You're a liar. Amy's (laughs) lying. She's making stuff up. Okay. (laughs) Marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) I never said that at the Master's Seminary. Marijuana. 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 No, you oh, didn't say that. There, but. Alas, Carl, Carl will never be confused with Cheech and Chong, so that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, just... A little bit of fun with Carl's funny talking. Yeah, yeah. If I decide to listen to him again, I'll, yeah. I'll write some more words down. Right. Mm-hmm. You are no doubt in, find yourself immensely improved if you listen to me again. <laughs> but anyway, well, we do want to talk about a more serious subject today, and it's something that most pastors will have been touched by in some way. Probably most people listening will have been touched by this or will know somebody who's been touched by this. And that's the matter of suicide. Uh, by all accounts, suicide rates are increasing in many parts of the world at this time. And scarcely a week or a month goes by without hearing of some tragic story on the news or even perhaps closer to home of somebody 
often a young person who's taken their own life. So we want to address the question today of, of how should we think about suicide and how should we address the issue of suicide pastorally with those victims, those who are left behind by those who take their own lives. I want to start by citing perhaps an unusual source for this podcast, but I think much of the, the standard discussion of suicide takes its cue ultimately from the work of Thomas Aquinas in the Middle Ages, who deals with suicide as the second part of the summer, where he's talking about murder. He deals with suicide as a, as a subset of murder. And he gives three reasons why suicide is wrong. First of all, he says it's against nature because every creature, every human being should naturally love themselves. That's what we're designed to do in part. And to kill yourself is a denial of part of our natural bent, our natural structure. Secondly, and I think most importantly, he says suicide is wrong because every individual is part of a community. And when somebody kills themselves, they actually injure the community as a whole. They do damage to other people. Uh, and thirdly, he says suicide is wrong because life is a gift of God. And to take one's own life is to effectively throw God's gift back in his face. Todd, Amy, mm -hmm. what thoughts do you have on perhaps on what Thomas Aquinas says there and on the, the issue as a whole as we come to address it pastorally? I think those are helpful categories, and I, th I think we could probably all agree on those. There's nothing uniquely Roman Catholic about what Aquinas does there. I think we would affirm all of those because they're grounded in, in large part in the doctrine of creation, um, the goodness of life, um, the goodness of the human community, etc. It's a tricky pastoral issue in a couple of ways, either because many pastors will find themselves in a situation where they need to or are called upon to do the funeral of someone who's committed suicide, in which case you've got some things to kind of help a family and a congregation navigate through. And then also because we're asked about the nature of suicide. Is it an unpardonable sin? Oftentimes because people hear this, the, the, the Roman Catholic perspective uh, sometimes they don't always have the nuance to know that uh, Protestants indeed have a have a different perspective on it. I know I've been asked about that. I'm sure <clears throat> you two have been asked about can suicide be forgiven? And right. And along with that. that, is a Christian capable of that right. sin? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have known people that confessed Christ, and I believe were truly regenerate, who because of various reasons, and I think there's various reasons why people commit suicide, obviously, but make that tragic choice. It is a sinful choice. Suicide is a sin. I don't think there's any question about that. But indeed, a person who's truly regenerate can, and in some cases do, make that choice. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it said that there are sort of three basic categories that often drive suicide. One of them is absolute despair. And perhaps we might include under that those who are so terribly suffering from cancer or some illness that they're in such agony that it's driven them to despair of life itself. Mm -hmm. Two, some kind of chemical imbalance that leads to, for want of a better term, a psychotic break where somebody just does something terribly drastic 
without really having any conception at the time of the consequences. And thirdly, guilt. Mm -hmm. Uh, The desire to escape from facing the music on some act or actions that have been been discovered. You occasionally catch some news story where, remember uh, some years ago, a person, one of the classics masters, I think, at Eton, had committed suicide after child pornography was found on his Mm. computer. And Mm. there it was a clear case of perhaps shame and despair, but also wanting to avoid the consequences, Mm -hmm. uh, the social and penal consequences of what he'd been caught with. You see a lot of that in scripture. I mean, it's kind of regret versus repentance. Yeah. Yeah. Judas certainly would be a a prime example of that. Saul, probably a good example as well. Well, we were just studying 1 Samuel 28 last night in our Bible study. Yeah, just that whole connection, too, of themes between Saul and and Judas with being knight Mm -hmm. and the Lord kind of not answering him and removing himself from him. When we talk about a pastor approach, this by and large, we're talking to people who have been left behind by somebody who's committed suicide. Right, which really speaks to what Aquinas says about community, because... Pastorally, you're really talking about the burden that it puts on others. That's, I think, I think Aquinas' community point is absolutely central to, to really how suicide has been thought of as an evil throughout the ages. But then when we get down to how we respond to it, I think a lot of the response is going to be determined by the specific causes of right. the instance that we're faced with. Somebody right. who's committed suicide because of they've been caught out. Mm-hmm. And doesn't want to go to prison because they were found with child pornography on their computer. That's very different to the person who struggled for a lifetime with bipolar disorder or terrible right. depression mm-hmm. or somebody who's been taking drugs that have badly reacted or imbalanced their system. I think in those cases, or even somebody who's just suffered from horrible, painful abuse or yeah. something terrible in their lives. Yeah, somebody or somebody who's, who's dying of cancer in agony, I think, right. while mm-hmm. one doesn't condone suicide in that situation, it gives you a clearer pastoral rationale right. for dealing with the people who've been left behind. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, one of the things that's so sad about people who will commit suicide in order to avoid shameful consequences of their sin And I'm thinking about a youth pastor that was a contemporary of mine back in my youth ministry days who did that. Um, And it's been, gosh, 20 years ago. And one of the things that's so tragic about those cases is that what that person is doing, a person who has believed the gospel, who's taught the gospel, is that they would prefer to kill themselves rather than to humbly repent and and receive the forgiveness that they say that they've always believed yeah, yeah. in. Now, clearly right. there's going to be consequences. This particular youth pastor I'm thinking of who killed himself years ago, should there shouldn't have been a role for him in spiritual oversight in the church from that point on. Yeah. But we would also want to plead with him to say, but of course there's a place for you in the body of Christ, even though you've done this. Yeah. The gospel is expansive in the mercy that it provides for sinners. Even someone who's been caught up in a secret lifestyle of shame, you can be forgiven. Prefer the embarrassment and the humiliation that will precede your repentance than to take that immediate escape of of suicide. It's such a tragic thing because it denies the sinner 
the mm-hmm. opportunity to experience the forgiveness that is theirs yeah. in Christ. Literally yes. cuts them off from the means of grace. Right. Literally uh, cuts them right. off from the means of grace. Right. Which is another heap of the burden put on the yep. community left yeah. behind. Yeah. 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 And, and then, of course, as has already been mentioned, you know, we deal in, I don't know of any church that doesn't have precious brothers and sisters in their community that aren't struggling with some kind of a mental illness or deep emotional distress because of a chemical imbalance or something like that. And we have people in our churches who are contemplating suicide, who seriously think about it. And, and of course, one of the things in our appeals to them and in our ministry to them, we don't promise them that life gets all rosy. Um, That if they'll just hang on, they won't suffer anymore. But to try to appeal to them that even if their suffering and their despair continues, that we want them to hang on because their life means something important to the community, to the the church. And I think for those left behind, one would want to stress the mercy and the grace of God as well. Yes. Right. The parent who's seen a child struggle with mental illness for 20, yes. 25 years. Right. I think Rick Warren had a child yes. mm-hmm. who killed mm-hmm. himself. Yep. You know, there's a sense in which that's a deep tragedy. Yep. But mm-hmm. one should not think that the grace of God cannot cover that. Absolutely. A right. mentally yep. ill person who kills themselves right. Right. might yet still be covered by the grace of God right. because we right. all do crazy and stupid things as Christians at times. So I was preaching recently on David. When David flees from Saul, he goes to Gath of all places. Yep. It's an idiotic thing for him to do. Thankfully, he escapes. Right. But he's the Lord's anointed, and he does this idiotic thing. Christians do idiotic mm-hmm. things, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. if you idiotically commit suicide, it's final. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that God's grace is not deep enough and wide enough right. to cover that. To right. cover that sin, to cover that stupidity. And Hebrews fact, is such a good place to go to as well, because, I mean, there's a large section in Hebrews that teaches us that Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. You know, his atonement covers all sin and even murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. think about the Apostle Paul. He was certainly responsible for the death of Stephen and perhaps more. And I think that's one of the reasons why he writes to Timothy that, uh, and he holds himself up as an example that if, if God's grace can save me, it can save anyone. The point of application here being to be able to comfort those family members left behind of this professing Christian who, in a moment of despair, killed himself. We want to be able to say, you know, listen, if they trusted in Christ and did something foolish, that does not cut them off from the saving yeah. grace yeah. of God, even in those final moments. Yeah. Um, Yep, no more than the idiot Christian who suddenly runs across the road without looking both ways, mm-hmm. chasing his cat or something like right. that and gets hit by a car. Mm-hmm. It's a stupid thing. It's a pointless thing. But the grace of God covers our stupidity. Yeah. Right. It really mm-hmm. does. That's where I think a good grasp of the character of God is important. Mm-hmm. Our personalities are changeable. Our circumstances are changeable. I suspect there are a certain set of circumstances that might, might drive any particular individual to contemplate taking their mm-hmm. own life. <laughs> yep. God does not change. Right. God's character mm-hmm. remains ever the same. He's always faithful and always it's very comforting. As he yeah. manifested himself to be yep. so in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. Let me ask you this. Let's say you have a, a member of your church who kills himself, and, and they want to know, should any mention be made at the funeral service of how his or her life ended? Yeah. What would you say? My, my response there, and, and I don't mean this as a cop-out, but as with all such occasions, 
I would honor the views of the family. Mm-hmm. I would ask the relatives, what do you want me to say? How much do you want yeah. me to say? I think the important thing there is, you know, when you think about it, funerals are really for those left behind, not for the yeah. ones who've gone. And I would want to, as far as my conscience allowed me, honor the the desires of those left behind. And if they wanted me to speak about it, I would certainly consider that. And I would probably want to talk to them about how they would want me to speak about it. Right. And my thoughts are, I wouldn't want to go into any detail at all, but I would want to acknowledge, because everybody there knows, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's just going to be kind of hanging yeah. there. Yeah. This yeah. person killed himself or herself. I'd want to be able to say, look, we loved him. All indications are that this was a brother in Christ, and, and unfortunately, you know, we, we, we grieve over the circumstances of his death. But let me tell you about the gospel here, though. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, if you're doing the funeral of a family member or, or somebody connected to your church that you really can't vouch for as far as yeah. having a credible profession of faith, and you need to do that differently. But if it's someone who the church is able to look at and say, that person had a credible profession of faith in Christ— I'd want to I'd want to in at least just acknowledge, look, we know that the grief of this situation has been compounded because of the manner of our mm-hmm. loved one's death here. Yeah. But don't dwell there. But then yeah. to say, but because I wanna I wanna lift them out of that place that maybe some of them are uncomfortable naming. I wanna lift them out and say, listen, the gospel covers this too. Yeah, I mean, it's a very uncomfortable topic, but death itself brings about a lot of theological questions, and suicide brings out even more theological questions. And and I know, like, uh, one of my good friends in high school committed suicide, and when we went to that funeral, we were waiting to hear something theologically, you know, not even a word I really thought much about at the time about suicide. Yeah. The other the other pastoral issue, of course, is how do you stop those who've been left behind becoming bitter and angry about the one who's gone? Right. You know, dad's killed himself and mum has had to go back and take a second job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're now struggling to, to make ends meet. Dad's gone. He He's fine. He's exited. Yeah. The mm-hmm. rest of us are left with a hard, miserable, lonely life. Yeah. And I think that that, too, is a pastoral issue that would have right. to be addressed. Right. I think if you're dealing with a situation, that's a huge, because that's a chronic one that's going to go on. Yeah. And so that's a big deal. And I think on on the one hand, if it's a situation where the suicide kind of sprang up from from real deep depression, mental illness, emotional illness, that kind of thing. On the one hand, that's an easier one to navigate than maybe the got caught in something really bad and out of the shame. Because at least with the former, I'm able to say, look, let me tell you something. Your dad loved you immensely, yeah. but you need to think of the, you need to think of of what was haunting him in his mind the way you'd think of a yeah. cancer attacking a body. This was something he he thought was killing him. You know that's what it feels like to people who are in that sort of despair. So I'd want to try to help give them some empathy there. Now, on the other one, that's a tougher one. Yeah to speak into because yeah, yeah you want to go yeah that was an incredibly selfish thing yeah for him to do to avoid those consequences of his sin yeah the man who commits suicide to escape consequences is humanly speaking a low life not to right. put too fine a point on it and right. it's, it's going to be hard to counsel yep. uh, families in that context and because and, really one is. of the things because one of the things that's so selfish about that is that 
this person who maybe was living a secret life and they've got all kinds of sin and they're found out, you know, the fact is their family may still forgive them, though. Yeah, their yeah. church can forgive them, and they're robbing their family of the person they yeah. love. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there's going to be some things to work through. There's going to be some anger to overcome. Probably, they're not even giving them that opportunity. Right. Probably yeah. the person is still loved. There's going to be yeah. dismay and anger, but they're robbing them of that. It's a terrible, yeah. terrible yeah. thing to do. Well, I think we barely scratched the surface of the the problems. Um, all indications are in the world in which we live, anxiety is increasing, depression is increasing, <clears throat> suicide, I fear, is going to be, well, it's always been there in human society, it's going to be perhaps more of a presence in more families in the future. Therefore, the pressure on pastors is is going to grow. I would certainly suggest that if you want to start thinking about these issues, ironically, Thomas Aquinas' little section in, in the Summa Theologiae, the so-called Secunda Secundi Question 64, dealing with murder in general, and then Article 5, dealing with suicide in particular, really is an excellent place to start think, thinking about these things. And we hope that the kind of frameworks we've been offering today might give some positive basis for pastors and lay people to start thinking about how to address this issue when it cuts close to home, when it comes to your congregation or to your family. In the meantime, we'd like to thank you for joining us today on Mortification of Spin. and We trust that you will uh, join us again next time. Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. And remember that we are a viewer-supported podcast, so if you feel led to make a donation, please do so. Till next time, see you then. And for our free premium this week, we are offering free tickets to Alliance events, the PCRT in Philadelphia, the New Jersey uh, Pastors Conference, and the Blue Ridge Bible Conference. Todd, I believe that's happening at some seeker-sensitive mega church. It it is happening. It is happening at Covenant Presbyterian Church in the beautiful, stunningly beautiful Shenandoah Valley, Harrisonburg, Virginia, and... Uh, you're crazy if you don't come to that event. It's going to be a crazy. wonderful weekend. I, I yeah. believe Amy is going to be cordoned off from the civilized we, people. Is that right? We well after a, after Amy um, cleans up uh, after us and serves us breakfast and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. We are letting her speak to some of the little ladies. That'll be the little ladies. The little ladies. The little ladies. I love it. <laughs> you know, on this pastors' conference out in New Jersey, yeah. she's like a bigger picture. Oh than no, she gets, on the she gets top billing. She gets top billing. She's so and trust me, I paid for that. Exactly. And 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 I will say this. I will say this. Thanks to the organizers of that event, they actually are not calling it the New Jersey Pastors Conference. It is called the Faithful Shepherd. Oh, the uh, Faithful conference. Shepherd Conference. Uh, New Jersey's Pastors <laughs> Conference. As you know, as great of a ring as that has to it, uh, they, they chose to go with something else. Okay. Well, there you are. If you want to try to get some free tickets for any of these events, please go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, and find out how to enter the raffle. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, the podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. 
To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... I mean, people leave churches for some really squirrely reasons. I mean, I've heard just about everything. The Reformation shattered the unity of the church, and the car has shattered the stability of populations, if I could put it that way. How long should we visit a church then? Or- um, but it's amazing, uh, as churches have learned that they now have to compete for a market share. You've embraced the doctrines of grace. Ah, yeah. What do you do then? Like, yeah, those kind of issues. Question. I think sometimes people might have a hard time distinguishing between what is good shepherding and what is spiritual abuse. That interview is next time. Join us then. Okay, perfect.